spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. This is not a test. This is your emergency broadcast system. Hello and welcome to the 181st annual Subliminal Obsession Podcast, your weekly dose of conspiracy theory. Bullshit, my name is Cody. I'm drumming pal Phil. How are you? Doing good, buddy. How about yourself? Honestly, I wish I was still on vacation and not in the freezing cold, but you know what? <laughs> yeah. You just have to live with it. Um, but uh Ooh, we, go ahead. Before we get I was gonna say, before we get started, I wanted to ask you really quick. So I'm about to get rid of HBO now, and I decided that I had I've been told for years I have to watch this. You've watched The Wire, correct? Y- yep. So I just started watching it. Uh, I had a three-day weekend this past weekend. So Friday night, I started watching The Wire. I binged all the way through to the middle of the second season. So I got to say, season was fucking tight. What do you think about the second season so far? So far? Well, it was... I don't want to... You know, no spoilers for anybody. It's been about 23 years. Yeah. But... So it was it was a little weird, a little boring um, with the uh, the main character, McCulty, like kind of like working on that boat. But then all of a sudden they they opened up that that can um, on the docks and they found all of those girls. Um, elite, yeah, all of the well, basically they were smuggled in to the United States and they found them all dead. So now it's starting to, you know, heat up and come back to what the show, you know, should be. They had to basically. It was almost like if it was a movie, you know, the end of season one would have been the ending. So, yeah, I think season two is the weakest season. Um, then probably the last one, but uh, pretty good. I think there's what, five seasons, four seasons. Yeah, I've been told that you can't just stop at season two. I've been told you have to trudge through. It's kind of like Game of Thrones. You've got to, you know, you got to trudge through those kind of weird like second and fourth seasons to kind of like get the whole thing. Yeah. So. Yeah. The other seasons are pretty good. I think it's the third. I think there's five seasons. Yes. Third and fourth is, is pretty solid. I think. Yeah. I've been told that the second season's kind of weird. It does start to pick up, but you like basically a guy I work told me today, like just, just keep through, keep with it. Once you get like halfway through the second season, then it really starts to pick up. So the one thing I remember about the wire and even the Sopranos is like when you look at how it's like shot in the quality, it's like that vintage HBO quality yes. of show. You know, it's just so different than what you see nowadays. Yeah, it's crazy because you watch it and you're like, God damn, like this holds up. If it wasn't for the fact that they're using old ass Motorola's and like beepers and, you know, kind of like city pay phones, like this show still holds up. <laughs> you like all, all the fucking pay phones and, uh, pagers are just it's a relic of the past oh definitely yeah i remember god where was i i was in maybe phoenix a couple years ago shitty part of town and they still had like a working payphone and it was all painted up on the outside and 
you know, just looked like a nice place to smoke some meth. But basically, <laughs> it's like the last time I've seen a payphone outside of like the England, the red ones, the big red ones. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I got good news for you. We're going to be talking about a payphone today, Phil. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's hit it. <laughs> <laughs> On this week's installment of Sub D, we're going to be covering the mysterious deaths of five gentlemen. Now, this has been suggested by a loyal fan by the name of James. I didn't want to say anything more. I don't want to blow anybody up. Uh, and we're finally going to get around, talk about this story, and give our opinion about what happened, which is what James has been asking us to do. Now, this case has been known as the Yuba County Five. Some people also call it the American Dytlov Pass. Um, you're familiar with that story, right? Uh, not really. I believe I've heard of the Yuba County Five. I didn't quite hear what the other name for it was. Uh, I can never say it. Dytlov Pass, like the skiers who all died oh, in Russia. Oh, gotcha. Okay. We'll pro I mean, we'll probably have to do it one day. It is a pretty big conspiracy story. Um, now, I want to also say this before we get too far in the weeds here. <laughs> There's something... There's a pattern I have noticed with this particular story, okay? All right. I watched quite a few videos, read multiple web pages like we usually do for all our episodes. Um, everybody's got a little bit different form of information, and everybody's got a different retelling of the story, and everybody's got a different theory and this and that. So I'm going to try. I kind of like, you know meshed it all together um like you know thanksgiving yeah. leftovers just trying to figure out <laughs> the series of events and some some of the things we'll talk about i'll be like you know this source said this there's no credibility to it but we'll throw it out there yeah you just gotta kind of sometimes that's how i do my episodes too is you gotta put up the venn diagram and be like well most of the sources agree on this some people say this a couple of people say this, and one whack job said this over here. But they all kind of agreed on this time and location, sort of thing. I was, at, I was, I, I, I didn't quite hear about the skiers, but was that the one with the people who were camping out on a mountain and they just kind of like ran out of their tent? Yeah. At one point in the middle yep. of the night. Okay. Yep. Yeah. No, I've definitely heard of that story. It's. You'll see why they call it that. There's no skiing involved. Well, there kind of is, but. Um, not like that. Uh, the, the, what I was saying about the information is obviously I've experienced that. Like you mentioned, this one is to a degree I've never witnessed before. So this is okay. an, and I think it's just because there's so much mystery behind it that I think the information gets a little jumbled sometimes. Okay, so basically this story is kind of like that one, like the comparisons can be made just yeah. because of how weird and mysterious and yeah, Once controversial, basically any statement you make about. Because I know the one with the skiers is super controversial, whether yeah. people think that it was aliens or what. So Yeah, exactly. Okay. Unfortunately, I think we can rule out aliens on this one, which breaks my heart, but... Uh, maybe Barry Satir will make an appearance. I don't know. We'll find out okay. here. <laughs> <laughs> now, this tale begins with five gentlemen who played for a basketball team by the name of the Gateway Gators, 
which was located at a rehabilitation center in Yuba City, California. Now, each of the men had some form of a mental disability. Uh, The five men here, first one, Gary Mathis, age 25. He was a former soldier who they made it sound like he was, uh, I don't, discharged because they found out he had schizophrenia. Okay. Do they still do that in the service? Like, if you were to get diagnosed with, like, you know, a pretty severe mental illness? Um... I, ooh, it depends if it's treatable. Um, it depends if there was a situation which led up to them finding out you had schizophrenia. Um, not really, probably not as much as they did. What year did this kind of, the what 70s. year do you think he got discharged around? Oh, it would have to be the 70s, early 70s. Early 70s? Yeah. If, ooh, <laughs> if it was when uh, Vietnam was going, they might have left him in. But right after Vietnam, they would have kicked him out. So, um, that's just an opinion of mine. I have no, you know, (laughs) but they really needed people like, while you know, the, the quote surge was happening during Vietnam, kind of like Iraq war. They, you know, they, uh, they brought in and left in a lot of people who they probably should have kicked out during the two wars that we just had. So, um, but if it is, if it's untreatable and unmanageable, then I do believe they would kick them out nowadays. But if it was, I mean, there's plenty of people in the military who have, you know, treatable, manageable mental illness and, you know, they're doing just fine as long as they, you know, take their pills and, well, you know, schizophrenia, do whatever therapy they need. So. Schizophrenia in the 70s, um, as we'll find out, he does take medication, but it still was not nearly as effective in treating them as it is today. Also, schizophrenia in the 70s was a blanket term. Very so true. So who knows what he actually had? Very true. We don't really know much about him. Um, we'll talk about him later in the episode because he's kind of a big component to this whole story. Um, okay. Continuing on here, uh, Bill Sterling, age 29, he had an intellectual disability. Jack Maruda, age 30, he had he also had an intellectual disability. Ted Wurr, um, he's age 32. They claim, I, obviously they didn't diagnose him back then, but they say he showed signs of autism. Uh, and the last guy is Jack Hewitt, age 24, who had both physical and mental disabilities. Now, all of the guys here, the Gateway Gators, the, the day we're talking about, the following day, they are set to play in a basketball tournament that is being hosted by the Special Olympics. So they are pumped about their game upcoming, which I think makes this story even weirder once we get into the weeds of it. Um, But it sounded like it's the five guys on the team. It didn't didn't sound like there's anybody else. Okay. So it's kind of uh, maybe like a five tournament, five on five tournament with no backups. I wonder who was their big man. (laughs) Well, because it was, if it's during the seventies, you know, it's all about the big man. So I think it was Bill Russell, the guy in the paint. I, I think it would have been either Jack Maruda or Ted were because as we'll learn about Ted, um, he sounds like a very big guy. Yeah. Magruda sounds like he, uh, that's a name. If you heard about him in the seventies, he using it. (laughs) Magruda came through and everyone cleared out. (laughs) You know, it's funny um, because my, one of my cousins um, has a mental disability and he plays on a special Olympics basketball team. And 
uh, he was yelling, and I was like, what are you mad about? And he's, he was yelling at one of his teammates who was really bad at defense. So he wasn't happy. Oh, his yeah. <laughs> his teammate wasn't playing defense. <laughs> yeah, the uh, my, I had an uncle who was in the Special Olympics, and he was uh, so he threw shock put. Okay, um, but yeah, a lot of those guys. So I didn't go to many of the events, but yeah, a lot of those guys they take it super fucking serious. They got a lot of heart. So uh, you know, good for them out there killing it. Um, now, kind of continuing on here, if you're wondering, the five of these guys. They were good friends. They were known to be good friends. They hung out a lot. So, you know, they have a lot of camaraderie with their basketball team. And all of them lived with their parents in either Yuba City or in the, I'm assuming, a town that's right next to it, Marysville. So they all know each other very well. Uh, Like I said, the tournament was set to begin on February 25th, 1978. What we're talking about here is the 24th. Now... I don't know if this is really a prize, but if they were to win the tournament, they would win a week's trip to Los Angeles. Um, Fuck yeah, a boy's trip to Los Angeles. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds fucking great. I hope it's like somewhere around Los Angeles because Los Angeles proper is a little scary sometimes. Um, Oh, especially back then, dude. (laughs) That was like Skid Row era. God, good Lord. That was like when the Coke scene started too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now, the five men, not only did they play basketball, they loved college basketball. And they wanted to go see a game before their tournament. Now, one source said that they like to go to games to study how they're playing and kind of replicate them, which kind of makes sense. Um, Now, uh, I guess to give a little credence here about the disappearance, the parents said most of them, or at least some of them, actually laid out their basketball uniforms for the following day on their bed to make sure they were ready to go in the morning. That's how serious they were taking this here. Yeah. So uh, to catch the college basketball game, they departed on February 24th, 1978. They all loaded up in Jack Maruda's 1969 Mercury Montego. This is the picture here. Um, Oh, it's a beast. It's a pimp daddy ride there. (laughs) This isn't his exactly. His was turquoise and white, but it kind of looks like your quintessential muscle car, honestly. Yep. Oh, yeah. Back. uh, Yeah, they really fucking don't make them like this anymore. No. it's so funny because like any car you hear about, like that's like a 67, 68, 69, you know, 71 or 70, you always see it and you're like, God, I would love to have that car. And these are just like regular cars that they had back then. Yeah. You know, it, it said, uh, Maruda, this was like his pride and joy. He loved this car. He was the only one with a driver's license as well. So only he can be driving it. Um, I can tell you my dad's kind of in his, you know, twilight years has kind of gotten into like helping restore old cars like this for people, kind of uh, his home job or whatever. Um, Judging by the prices, he says some of the cars he works in on brings in, I would guess if you had this in original shape, pretty good condition, this is like 80,000 to a hundred thousand dollar car. Oh yeah. Especially every single year. So if you really think about it, Classic cars or like classic cars that are worth like redoing kind of ended in the 80s. That's really like the 70s, 80s is when they started getting like lighter and lighter, more fuel efficient and, you know, less good. 
basically. Like, think about the car that I, my first car was that 86 Pontiac 6000. Yep. You're not going to restore that. You're not going to take that <laughs> to shows. You know what I mean? This car was basically that we're looking at was kind of probably not quite because it's a two door. But I mean, if you went to a lot, you might find like this car in kind of the same situation in 86. You would find that Pontiac 6000. This is just a regular car. I mean, they're, so they're kind of equivalent. It's not even a comparison. This one is, you know, this one's like timeless. And it's yeah. back then it was just kind of a regular car. But, you know. It's weird because one source showed a picture and it was like a station wagon, um, Mont Montego. But they said they drove this exact coupe, uh, squeezing five guys in there, uh, probably pretty tight. Oh, yeah. That you would know. definitely. Well, I mean, these those cars back then were a lot roomier, too, than they, you know. Like this is a, they were big boxy cars, but for the guy in the, the guy, the four guys in the, or the three guys in the back seat, not very much. No, no. Now, uh, once the boys hit the road, they would drive 50 miles North to the city of Chico. Uh, they were going to watch the UC Davis versus Chico state. UC Davis would ultimately win the game, which is apparently the boys, uh, favorite team. After the game was over, at approximately 10 p.m. on the 24th, they would stop at a convenience store, pick up, pick up some drinks and snacks before they were going to continue on the way home. And it's kind of at this point, this is the last time they're ever seen, alive anyway. Um, and this is kind of, we'll put a little pin here that... Um, we don't really know what happened to him after this point. So, but obviously we'll get into the details, uh, you know, picking up snacks and drinks at 10 PM. That's you and I, man, we would, <laughs> we would do that all the time. <laughs> oh, when I was living at your place. Yeah. Out in, uh, yeah. <laughs> that was, we would go to, yeah, we would either go to that super America down the street and pick up one liters of Mountain Dew, or we would go to fucking Mickey D's yeah. and pick up their dollar burgers and uh, stop at the red box at McDonald's. So the, uh, they were right next to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Or we would just be hanging out, make a big pot of coffee and drink that. Cause we had no money for, <laughs> for dollar fucking <laughs> you, burgers at the time. You forgot about probably the main reason we even asked to go to the gas station was pick up cigarettes. Oh yeah, cigarettes. I forget. I forget that I used to be a smoker. Yeah. But now I just vape. <laughs> now, the following morning, the parents, you know, obviously noticed that none of their sons had returned home, which became extremely concerning because all of them were very. They did not like to be away from home. They felt safe at home. They were very excited about the game next day. Obviously, parents yep. freaked out. They called the cops, uh, the search and rescue kind of went out looking for the men. The news was reporting on the disappearance, hoping that, you know, somebody might report seeing them, report seeing the car or something like that. After a few days, a park ranger actually contacted the police and, and said, hey, I think I found the Mercury car. Now, the weird thing is the vehicle is going to be found 70 miles to the kind of east northeast of Chico, which is completely wrong direction from Yuba City, which is directly south. It was found on the or Oroville Quincy Road, a dirt road that runs into the Plumas National Forest, which is basically a mountainside. So 
this immediately is like, why are they that far away from where they're even supposed to be going? Yeah, you got to remember it. So back then, they obviously had no GPS. They had no. no. Back then, it was a map. And you hope that the guy sitting in the shotgun could read a map. Um, I've I've had it a bunch of times where back the uh, the those old school like MapQuest, you know, printouts. Yep. I've used those um, in the past before I had a cell phone that, you know, had good Internet on it, basically. And I've gotten myself lost, basically either going the wrong direction, thinking I was going the right direction. I actually almost on my way from Clovis to um, Arizona when I was living in Clovis, New Mexico, I almost wound up in Mexico because I was heading down towards <laughs> basically instead of going, you know, staying east or staying going west through New Mexico, I accidentally went south and almost ended up in El Paso. Damn. This yeah, I was about I was about eight miles from the border by the time I realized it. So <laughs> um, here's the thing, though, and I can't we can't say this without you know a shadow of the doubt is or but it seemed like they were pretty familiar with going from yuba city to chico because it was essentially you know your favorite type of um of traveling a singular highway right up so oh it was a straight shot pretty much yeah um as we'll talk about later there is a divide in the highway but this would kind of be like you say you were at your where you grew up, right? And you're driving yeah. to Rochester, but somehow you go to fuck, I don't even know. Wisconsin. Like, yeah, like lacrosse or something. Um it's it's very strange. We'll we'll get more into the details of it, but initially, you know, if you're the parents and your kids are missing and <laughs> the car's yeah. found 70 miles to the east of the city they were in, you're like, why were they there and why were they in a mountain? We got to remember, this is a dirt road with potholes. You remember dirt roads. They're not taken care of. Yes. It's in the middle of fucking nowhere. Um, it's Dear snowing. I, I was going to say, I remember the time that we went to Dells, you, me, and Eric, and we wound up on the back roads of Wisconsin. Yeah. I thought we were going to fucking die that night. <laughs> it was it was some back fucking country in Wisconsin. And Wisconsinites are, you know, some odd folks. So you don't want to get caught out there. You know what we did that night is we now I know they have we were on Highway 90, which goes into Rochester and it splits into 94, which goes up to the Twin Cities. And we had taken the one that goes up to the Twin Cities and somehow my dad knew the roads and we took all these weird back roads. We didn't have a map. Thankfully, my dad knew where the fuck we were. Well, didn't we call him? Yeah, we did. Yeah. Do you remember how lost we'd be if we didn't have like a cell phone? Oh, God. Oh, a few years earlier and we'd have been. Yeah, it was uh, the school. We had the first day of school the next day. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was a great trip, though. Yeah, that was a yeah, that was a great trip. <laughs> now, when they found the car, it showed sign. Now, this is kind of confusing, and maybe you know what this means. It they said that the car was basically kind of stuck on a snowdrift or what they called the snow line. Now, I interpreted that is 
if you're going up, let's say you're going up a road into the mountains, right? And you yeah. basically, not necessarily a cul-de-sac, but like a place where the road does not go any further. And that's kind of the snow line. That's kind of what I was oh. understanding. I didn't, I didn't really get it. Because obviously around here, I've never heard of a snow line before. Okay, so it you said it's on the side of a mountain, yeah, right? Yeah. So the snow line usually okay. So like here in Arizona, it's winter. There's no obviously there's no snow on the ground down in the city. But yeah. if you look up on the mountains, there's starting to be some snow forming on the mountaintops. So that snow line kind of comes down as winter, you know, gets to be its coldest, and then the snow line eventually, you know, starts evaporating, going back up. Okay. So I wonder if they mean they were going up the mountain and they they hit the snow line, meaning they hit where there is actually snow, because they're in California. I don't yeah. know how far north they are, but if they are in like a warmer part of California, like central, then I bet that they went up one of those mountains. It's February. So I bet they the snow line refers to the side of the mountain. So we're going to find out. It is snowing this day, and we have a guy we're about to talk about kind of in the next paragraph here, and you'll understand how bad it is. Um, okay. But basically their car, by the way, this is, um, they said Northern California. I think it's a little north of uh, San Francisco. So. Oh, okay. So it's a little, it's more north than. Yeah. Then SoCal, which there's no snow. It's basically Arizona. Um, yeah. So anyway, they're on the snow line. The car's kind of stuck. Now, there was evidence that the car was spinning in the snow when they were kind of stuck, right? We've all experienced yeah. this in the Midwest many a times. Now, what the police said was interesting is it was not deep enough where if, you know, four of the men got out of the car, there's no reason why they shouldn't have been able to push it out. But they yeah, didn't. Especially Margus. He's probably yeah. like, what, six, seven. He's, yeah. <laughs> he's got the anchor. He's, he's, good. he's the center. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, in the car, keys were missing. There were wrappers and empty cans, you know, the, the food that they had eaten. Now, there's a neatly folded map just sitting there um, when they, because the keys were gone, hot wired the car. Uh, car still had a quarter tank of gas in it and it fired right up. No mechanical issues at all. Okay. Keep okay. that in mind. And one of the windows was down and one of the, the, the guy's mom said that would be very weird. I actually, I think it was, uh, Maruda's mom said it would be very weird cause he was very particular about his car. So it doesn't make sense yeah. why the window would be rolled down to let all the snow in during a snowstorm. Exactly. Yeah. Pulled the car out, took it to get looked at. There were no dents. There's no external damage, which they say was really weird because it was such a bumpy road. They would have had to have gone extremely slow. We know we know that how this goes. You're going down like a, a a road leading into a farm or something sometimes. Yeah. Really bumpy potholes everywhere. But the car didn't Bas have any damage. Basically moguls. Yeah. There's some. Yeah. There's some of those old farm roads that are pretty much are just moguls. They're so fucking uh, wavy. <laughs> yeah. Now, obviously, the big question here is, got the car, they know where they should be, but they're nowhere to be found at all. Um, and, you know, it was a snowstorm, obviously. And mm. the boys didn't have anything on except for spring jackets. They specifically, one of the guys specifically told his mom he won't need anything more than his light jacket to go to Chico to the basketball game and come home. So, already... 
This is really strange. Why did they get out of the car? Where are they? What are they doing? Why are they here? So many weird questions already. Well, from the sounds of it, they definitely were not planning on, you know, a late night mountain hike. No. Um, If they didn't bring their winter coats, um, it's, God, I don't know. So they were last seen at 10 o'clock buying snacks and drinks. Um, I wonder, I wonder if maybe someone kind of like, you know, not captured them, but, you know, kind of like had a gun on them or something like that and was telling them to drive out or, um, also it sounds like they were lost as fuck. And you said the map was neatly folded. I know if I'm lost as fuck, that map is getting folded over (laughs) fucking, you know, it's basically a crumpled mess of me trying to figure out, you know, where the fuck are we? Yeah. Trust me, this story gets even weirder, Phil. Okay. A lot weirder. Now, we're going to kind of... Now, after they're missing, they've got, you know, we're looking for these guys. They can't find the bodies. Um, Guy steps forward. We're going to talk about a guy who believes he saw them. Um, (laughs) This is kind of a kind of funny, not funny story from this man here. Now, um, (laughs) you'll see... All right. The man who came forward was named John Shones. He believes he had stumbled across these men on that particular night. Now, John Shones' side of the story begins on the night of February 24th, 1978, at about 5.30 p.m. John was driving up the same road that they found in the car. Uh, he had a cabin up there on the mountain, and he decided he was going to go ahead and check on everything because the following weekend he was going to have the family up there to, I guess, chill and go skiing. So he wanted to make sure everything was all right. Yeah, have the coke all laid out. (laughs) Yeah. Good man. Make sure Uh, the hookers were all comfy up in his cabin there. (laughs) (laughs) Now, while John's driving up to the cabin, he's driving a Volkswagen Beetle, by the way, the old Ted Bundy car. Um, Nice. All of a sudden, this, you know, horrible snowstorm starts to just blow in. And being that it's nighttime, his his visibility is almost zero. Um, and then his car became stuck in the snow. John freaked out a little bit. You know, I would freak out. No lights, snow everywhere. You can't move your fucking car. And yeah. so John got out and, you know, he's trying to shovel the snow out of the car to get it to move. The snow was so deep, though, he couldn't do it himself. Then John noticed, hey, my chest is starting to hurt a little bit. And this is when John begins to have a heart attack right there. Yeah, that's like a Midwesterner's worst fear. You're shoveling snow or something and a fucking heart attack comes on. Oh, God, I got to die shoveling snow. (laughs) Yeah. Fuck. (laughs) This is just like, oh, my God. When I kept because, you know, I, I read and watched so much of this and I kept hearing this. I'm like, what a horrible series of events for this fucking guy. Especially, there's nothing worse than, like, I mean, having car trouble on the side of the road, obviously, is always bad. But when you get your car stuck in the snow, there's nothing more frustrating. Because your car works just fine. It's just the fact that it won't move. Your tires are spinning (laughs) and nothing, like, it's not doing what it's supposed to be doing. Because it works just fine. If your car is dead, at least it's dead. Yeah. You know, something's wrong with it, it's dead. There's nothing wrong with your car. It just won't fucking move. (laughs) So you need a shovel and you need kitty litter and you, yeah, and you <laughs> the need worse. You need Matt Doda push your car out. Um, 
he was somebody, always, with, somebody he, with a strong forehead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's funny. Obviously, a Volkswagen Beetle, especially a '70s one, is not meant for fucking driving up a goddamn mountain. Oh God, no! I was about to say that too. Yeah, Volkswagen Beetle, not the car you want during a fucking snowstorm. <laughs> no, there's nothing, nothing good about having that car. Uh, yeah, a little trick for the non, uh, the non-snow people out there. Basically, two big bags of kitty litter in the back of your trunk, and by the time winter's over, you don't have any kitty litter left because you've used it all to get yourself out of the snow. So basically, it adds weight to the back of your car. And also you have something to put under your tires for traction. So here's the other thing. All these cars back then were rear wheel drive, which gets stuck way easier because there's no weight in the back. Um, So anyway, back with John here, you know, he's having the heart attack. He doesn't know what the fuck to do. He gets back in his car. He he turns it on, turns the heater on. He's hoping just somebody's going to drive by now. John is writhing in pain. This had to be excruciating. Now, according to him, six hours later, yeah, a pickup truck, according to him, pulls up behind him. They, he, he can see, he says it's about 20 feet behind him. He can see the headlights of the pickup truck. Now he, he claims he saw five men get out of the pickup and he saw a woman holding a baby. For some reason, they're just standing outside the pickup. He can hear him talking. He he yells for help. He's he's hoping this might be his lifeline here. Yeah. And it, after he yelled, he noticed they immediately turned the headlights off and quit talking. They didn't say anything. And a short while later, they loaded up and just drove off. Didn't even look his way. Didn't even try to help him at all. And, you know, obviously John here... Six hours into a heart attack, he's probably feeling quite hopeless. And oh, yeah. A short time after that, he claims he saw another headlight or car's headlight come by him. He yelled, but they didn't stop. They just went right on by him. Now, eventually, John's car, it's out of gas. It died. And he claimed his pain had subsided enough that he could actually walk. So he went down back the road he came, and he walked eight miles to a lodge and then uh this is where he says he passed by the mercury montego on his walk down which maybe he did i don't know but uh when he reached the lodge some places said they took him home instead of the hospital but i'm pretty sure they would have took him to the fucking hospital um it is confirmed by doctors medical records he did suffer a mild heart attack it's amazing he's still alive yeah, I was going to say, so a lot to unpack here. Yeah. Um, basically, the five men, the woman holding the baby, showing you that good old California hospitality out there. <laughs> <Yeah>. You know, <laughs> just basically hearing you yell for help and then turning the headlights off <laughs> and then getting the fuck out, skedaddling, <laughs> you know, the fuck out of there. Um, you see that a lot in Arizona, too, basically. Yeah. They're all, a lot of you, know, a lot of Arizonans are from California. So you'll get that out here. Um, also it's amazing. Like the heart attack he had, he was basically able to kind of like, you know, wait it out. Um, he didn't just, <laughs> it, you did say though it was a mild heart. Attack, yeah, so. sure. It didn't feel great. Oh God. No. Any idea what his age is at this time? Uh, I don't know. He's older though. He's definitely old older. enough to have a heart attack after <laughs> shoveling a little snow. Yeah. Too many sausages for old, old John. <laughs> here. 
<laughs> he might be from Wisconsin. <laughs> He's 37 years old. <laughs> Too many bratwurst. <laughs> now, here's the thing about this guy's story is it's not necessarily substantiated because mm. he was in such excruciating pain. There's a possibility he, he hallucinated all of this. I don't know. What do you, I mean, I guess you would if you're in that much pain, right? Possibly. Yeah. Um, Lack of blood flow. You know, obviously you trip balls when you're doing that. Yeah. It's, um, God, well, he claims to have seen the Mercury Montego, but I imagine he saw the Mer- Mercury Montego, like a picture of it, maybe on the news or heard a description of it. He might have seen any car and thought that it was, oh, yeah, that's Mercury Montego. That's yeah. exactly. And it was dark and it was snowy. And he's having a heart attack while walking, you know, eight miles or whatnot. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Also, it's kind of strange. The story about the truck and the people normally when it's a snowstorm outside and you, you know, if you're not going to help the person who's stuck in the snow, you don't have everyone file out of the car and then, you know, look at you. You're not a fucking safari. You're not on safari. You know, they're basically going to just, you know, peel out of there and not help you. Right. It's the interesting thing is he could have very well passed by their abandoned car but i actually from the maps and stuff i think the car was more north than he was um Mm. but i don't really know the thing is there's like the pregnant woman thing in the pickup just is like a dead end there's nothing from that you know what i mean was she pregnant or was she holding a baby we don't even wait she was she i'm sorry she was a woman holding a baby yeah, a woman holding a baby. So basically the woman, well, it's 1978, so <laughs> that is a lap baby. Um, so <laughs> it is a pickup truck, which means that someone in one of the seats would have had to given up their seat to this man. So maybe they were the one convincing everyone like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, let's, uh, <laughs> it is my turn for the, the seat. So, you know, let's maybe get out of here. <laughs> I need the, I need the heat for the next five minutes. Until we switch again. I want you to put a pin in this memory for once we get to kind of the theories part and see if this guy, you think there's any credibility or if you think he was just hallucinating or he was just making up stuff. One of the two. Um, Okay. But uh, now, according to one source, the police spent over 6,000 hours searching for the bodies in... uh, you know, right after the incident happened and all of that, uh, they had to stop a lot because of snowstorms were coming in and they just, they couldn't search anymore. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. The police got desperate uh, to try to find the bodies. They actually <laughs> turned to a psychic to try to, you know, lead them to the bodies here. Um, they actually followed through with the psychic's clues, of course, led nowhere. They would also contact a quote-unquote Body witcher magician who apparently specializes in locating dead bodies. Um, the magician did did that magician also happen to kill those people? (laughs) He might, I don't know where that body is. What about this woman? Uh, red car, brown hair. Oh, I think I I remember that one. I mean, I think I can help you find that one. Anyway, Mr. Body Witcher, uh, he told them to go check out this empty cabin because he thought the the bodies were there. They, 
they were in fact not at this abandoned cabin. So Body Witcher, his record's not doing great right now. No. I've never even heard of a Body Witcher. No, I wonder, I I mean, uh, just a picture of this guy. I can, I imagine in my head what he looks like. He's probably got some twigs in him, you know, <laughs> or no, probably, is it a man or a woman or does it say? I, it doesn't really say. Okay. It might be one of those kooky old, older ladies uh, who, you know, just kind of wants some attention once, <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh, no, no, I don't, uh, I'm not lonely and have too many cats. I'm a body witcher. That's what I am. I see into the unknown. Yeah, the Akashic record, basically. If we, you know, I guess if I stumble upon a body witcher, I'm going to have him uh, try to help us find old, uh, what's his name? Who's the guy who said to Jimmy Hoffa? Jimmy Hoffa, yeah. (laughs) Where's Jimmy, goddammit? We need to find him. A body witcher is probably the one who wanted them to fucking visit first base at Yankee Stadium for home plate. Isn't it the Jets Stadium or is it Yankee Stadium? I thought it was Yankee Stadium. Yeah, I probably fit the timeline of when he uh, disappeared anyway. Yeah, it's God, the body witcher. Help us find Jody who's in truth. Yeah, that'd be a good one. Yeah, but local (laughs) hero. That's been I that's been fucking years now. I I just saw a documentary a month ago on that. Ooh, where at? It was on um, Discovery. Okay, I'm going to have to watch that because. I'm curious. Like we were like ten when she disappeared. Yeah, that was crazy. I remember the morning. Well, this is way off topic. I remember the morning that she didn't show up for work, and it was like a different lady because we watched every morning while we ate breakfast. We watched that uh, that news, and when she didn't show up that morning, it was like, oh, fucking, that's weird. It's a different person. Then all of a sudden, got home from fucking school, and they're like, if you've seen Jody, call this number. <laughs> then yeah. he turned it to another. Then you turned it to NBC, and they were talking about Jody Who's in Truth. It's like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah, I don't think they ever <laughs> found good. her. I don't think they ever found her body, honestly. Maybe we'll have to no. cover that one day. That is a uh, childhood memory of ours. Yeah, it was crazy. Now, it wouldn't be until about four months later that the, uh, they actually had a breakthrough on the case. On June 4th, 1978, a group of motorcyclists went to a trailer that was owned by the Forest Service. It looks more like a cabin, though. They call it a trailer. It's basically a safe place for hikers to stay at. Now, keep in mind, this trailer is nearly 20 miles from where the car was initially found. Now, the motorcyclists started to know kind of a horrible smell emanating from inside. They also noticed that the window had been broken. When they peered inside, they could see that there was a putrefied dead body inside, and they would eventually find out this was the body of Ted Wurr. So this is kind of the first breakthrough. 20 miles, that seems like a lot. Definitely. Um, Just like unpacking all of this. Group of motorists, you know, hanging out at a, cabin almost i i don't know what they were doing out there maybe some uh maybe some fucking maybe some drugs <laughs> but it's a little it starts off the story a little weird it's a place for hikers to stay quote unquote you know during the 70s a lot of that uh fuck shack back road stuff going on well <laughs> fuck shack yeah thanks for the f shack um yeah definitely not what you want to see when you come upon your f shack is uh, a dead body broken window smell so it's interesting because i would assume you know i never really thought about it but i assume 
mountains where people, you know, are hiking or camping or whatever, they might have things like this. So if you hit a hot, you know, a rough patch, you have somewhere to kind of survive at. Um, I know like here, if you go really far north and you're like deep in the woods, they, they'll have like um, little bathrooms places or like little safe places for you if you're kind of camping out there or whatever. So I guess it makes sense they would have this. Yeah, for hikers on the mountain out here, all they have is uh, rocky slopes and the hope that the helicopter can come get you before you die and dehydrate. <laughs> so there are many people. You watch the every night during the summer, you news and some fucking moron from fucking, you know, Ohio or something gets caught, you know, comes here on vacation, goes hiking on the mountain and gets caught like with a fucking broken ankle, 160 degree, you know, calling in a fucking helicopter. So at that point, buddy, you just got to cut that leg off and keep going. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> fucking uh, tie your shoe real fucking tight and just hobble. You know, <laughs> this state's in a deficit, man. Come on. We can't be affording fucking uh, helicopters for non-locals. Get your yeah. ass out of here. <laughs> uh, now, after they found one body, the police, you know, naturally, they're going to go ahead and search the whole area. The following day, they would find the bodies of Bill Sterling and Jack Maruda. Now, this is interesting because they, on the road, they were basically, each one of them was in a ditch on the opposite side of the road. Um, very interesting. Now, some sources said this was 11 miles from the car their body was found, and some said it was four miles from the cabin. So, I don't know which one it is, but they're not at the cabin here. Um, they basically would both rule that they had died of hypothermia. Jack still had the car keys in his um, pocket when they found him. Okay. A day, they wait, they found, so they, these motorcyclists um, coming up on that shack found this body. Yeah. Miles and miles away, the next day, they happened to find two of the bodies on opposite sides of the road. Yeah. Like, oh, wow. Okay. If, so it's a, if they, that's, that's a, it's a little, I mean, I, I don't know if there's any weird things about this coming up, but it's weird that they've spent four months looking for these, like 6,000 hours, four months, and it's like bang, bang, you know? Well, I think what happened was the snow melted, and then oh. they were like, okay, <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't know. It would seem like maybe there is foul play in that, but um, I don't know. Maybe they didn't think they could have walked that far. So let's take the one source where they were four miles from the trailer here. That would still be 16 miles from where the car was, which you would assume it'd be very difficult for him to walk that far. Yeah, they I mean, in the winter, too, in the winter snowstorm, they're trudging through God knows what snow drifts and whatnot. Um, all this and it's fucking mountainous terrain country, too, yeah. out there. Yep. Um, yeah, pretty, uh, pretty wild country out there. Um, yeah, it's, I remember, <laughs> I remember the, the history channel, that show gangland when they were talking about, um, what, what city in Alaska Anchorage. was it there? Anchorage. Oh, Anchorage. Yeah. The gangs there, they were talking about when the snow melts, all the bodies start coming up. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, two days after they found, you know, the three men here. They would find, or Jack Hewitt's own father, they told him, you, 
you probably shouldn't go out searching with us, but he was determined he wanted to find his son. Um, he actually was walking and stumbled upon his son's clothing laying there. I think it was his jacket and he went to go pick it up and poor guy, his own son's spinal cord fell out of said jacket. Um, yeah, rough. They were basically able to tell these were Jack's remains from the dental records of the skull they found. In addition, his shoes and jacket were found lying nearby. Basically he had died somewhere around here. I think it was like a quarter mile from the trailer and, Unfortunately, when you have a body in the wilderness, the animals kind of picked them apart here. Now, the only one still missing is Gary Mathis, and they would continue searching and searching for Gary. Um, They couldn't find any sign of him. About a quarter mile from the trailer, they actually would find three Forest Service blankets and a rusted flashlight. Now, they don't, they can't say for sure. Gary was sitting here, but it would make you believe he was sitting here at some point or somebody was. Um, And they had a little shack next to the the Forest uh, Service trailer. And in sitting inside were actually Gary's shoes. They were just uh, sitting there. Obviously, Gary was nowhere to be found. Um, Gary wouldn't have any access to his medications that he was supposed to be taking because he was stranded here. Um, So they would kind of broadcast his picture to all these local institutions thinking he might come there to try to get his medications would make sense. But Gary's the only people they would never locate and still can never locate. They have no idea what happened to Gary. Okay. I wonder for like calling up the local institutions back then they used to have like vans that would go, if there was a person displaying, you know, mental instability, they would basically have like the, the, you know, the loony bin wagons go and like pick people up. And if they were just a John Doe, they would get, you know, scooped up and taken to the local, you know, place. Nowadays, they don't have the state run facilities anymore. They closed those all down. Thanks, Reagan. But (laughs) they closed all those fucking places down. I wonder if that's why they were, you know, looking around for, for those places. Also, they found his shoes inside during a snowstorm um we were talking about the the group of people who um got lost basically who were in their tent and ran out they ran out basically like no shoes completely naked um they think it was like a hypothermia thing. yeah yeah so um we'll kind of i'll talk about it real quick like the two guys they found on the side of the road apparently a symptom of hypothermia is you'll get really tired and want to sleep and they think one of them or both of them might that might have happened or one of them died there and then the other guy didn't want to leave them and then he ultimately perished there. So, again, I guess they didn't get naked, but, um, you know, it could be a symptom of hypothermia, but we'll kind of talk about that in the uh, the the end section here. Now, let me get to this next part and uh, it'll have a little insight into why maybe Gary's shoes were sitting in that shed. Um, we got to kind of talk about the body of Ted were and how it was found inside of the main trailer here. Now, okay. it's, it's pretty interesting because they initially assumed Ted had died of starvation and hypothermia. And there's a couple mixed sources here. One of them claims he lost a hundred pounds. 
One of them claims he lost 200 pounds. So this is kind of why I said he probably was a bigger guy. Um, yeah. He, when they found him, he had a really, really long beard. And because of this, they are almost positive that Ted had been surviving in this trailer for 13 weeks. Holy shit. Yeah. Wow, right? So he, 13 weeks after February. Yeah. That's, god damn, that is like May. Yeah. So, holy shit. I don't know how you would do it. The body witcher was actually might have almost close about <laughs> surviving in a fucking trailer, if that's the case. <laughs> Little different. Maybe you just got the location mixed up. Maybe got the location wrong, but if maybe she's thinking like, oh, this person's in a trailer. Like, yeah. Or was it the psychic who thought they were in a trailer? No, it was the body witcher. Cabin? Body witcher. It was the witcher? Okay. Yeah. Well, the body witcher, according to their fucking uh, their deal, they should have been able to locate I could see the psychic getting the location of the trailer wrong. The body witcher should have figured that shit out. Well, you want to hear something even weirder about Ted's survival in this okay. trailer here. So the trailer, obviously, like I said, was meant for survival, right? Um, yeah. It actually contained matches and books that could have been used at any time to make a fire. None of it was even touched. Um, some, some sources may sound like there might've been a fireplace inside the trailer where you could actually start a fire. I don't know if that's true or not, but they had the things to make a fire. There was a valve that could, con that would control the trailer's butane heating system, not touched at all. They did not touch okay. it, not even attempt to light it. N the little shack near the trailer, there was a huge stockpile of food rations in a locker completely untouched. Um, it said they would have enough food in there for five, the five men for over a year, completely wow. untouched. Yeah. Inside the main trailer there, they found, I hope maybe you know what this is. They were 31 cans of C rations. They were found opened, just kind of laying there empty. Um, but none of the other food was touched. Additionally, what they thought was really interesting is the canned rations were opened with a very specific type of military used can opener. And this is why they think Gary had to have been inside of the trailer because he's the only one who would have known how to use it. So, okay. So one of the things that I used to keep on my keychain, there is a, a tiny little, it's like basically it's a can opener that has a flip blade that opens up and you use it by like pressing your thumb. It's like a, it's like a sharpened um, hook that you use to kind of like um, press your thumb down, like basically like, you know, like easing it around the top to open up like a can. It's like the old style, like military can open, basically compact, you know, very useful. It's also good for a weapon. You can like cut someone, you know, in the throat if you, <laughs> you know, if you, if you are in a situation and you need, you know, a weapon, all you have is your you know, keys. You can this probably, get somebody in the throat with it. This is probably what this is because I didn't get a close look at it, but it looked like, you know, like you mentioned a blade and there's like a flip thing on top that looked like it was either textured or spiked. I'm assuming yep, it flips horizontally across. So, okay. So yeah, that's what this is. So yep. unless I'm assuming, unless you know how to use it, it'd be very difficult for anybody to use it. Right. 
Yeah. Um, Jesus. Also, too. I mean, so you could survive here five people for a year. It sounds like the guy, the army guy, might have been best at survival. They didn't find him in the trailer, though. Um, it is he needed his medicine, though. Yeah. So if he was getting, I don't know exactly what his symptoms are, but if he started getting paranoid, that might not be good for himself or the other people in that trailer. The, I mean, Gary, you know, like, like he said, Gary, we're, we'll talk about him more, but there's, he's a very big aspect to this. You know, there's a yeah. lot of things kind of looking at him. Um, you know, where okay. is he? Where's his body? Uh, but we can kind of get into that later. The last thing here about the shoes. Okay. So Ted, yeah. where's body found in the trailer, his head, head to toes, right? Were wrapped up in eight blankets. Ted was missing his shoes. His feet had severe frostbite, which had turned gangrenous. So how he survived 13 weeks with this, I have no idea. But the shoe thing is apparently Ted had big, like, boots, leather boots. So they yeah. think that Gary might have taken Ted's boots because he couldn't wear them anyway because his feet were swollen from being frostbitten. He left his other shoes, took Ted's shoes. Okay, so basically maybe on the walk to the trailer, his feet got frostbite, and then he spent, you know, the rest of his life with severe gangrenous frostbite. Yeah. Okay. He couldn't walk. I mean, it was, once he was there, I don't think he could walk anymore. Yeah, gotcha. And uh, without medical attention, his feet just got worse and worse. Yeah. Um, so they think... I, I'm trying to, I don't know exactly like what the, we're not into the theories yet, but I think we're getting kind of close. Yeah. Do they think that all of these men made it to the trailer? That's one of the beliefs. Like they all made it there and then maybe the, the Gary or I'm sorry, Ted had died. So they thought they had to leave to try to get help. Maybe the two guys went one way, died on their way. The other two, I don't know what happened. They left as well. But it doesn't make a lot of sense to leave if you can okay. survive here. But it's also like, why was none of the stuff used? Yeah, that's um, ooh, that's odd. The if they were there for more than a day, if they were the, if they were only there for a little bit and they didn't know how to turn the burner on or they didn't know there was matches. But if they were there for more than a day, like you're gonna start looking for shit, you know? Yeah. So. Was they also though they found food? I don't know if it was in the main trailer or if it was like that was some food that was left out in the shack. It's possible they just didn't even see the cabinet, but I feel like you would anybody would probably look, right? Yeah, once your tummy starts rumbling, you're gonna be searching cabinets, you're gonna be looking for anything, you know, like even like just looking for crackers or something. So, um. Yeah, it's with the with the fact that five people didn't stick around in kind of like where it it was warm and safe, possibly. Well, let's see if they never started a fire and never lit the butane torch, then it wouldn't have been warm in there. But maybe they thought they could go out and find help for their friend whose feet were, you know, yeah. rotting off. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, that's definitely a possibility. Yeah, I don't 
move. It is hard to, I mean, obviously when you're in that situation, it's, it's amazing. They didn't check that trailer ever, but they probably didn't think they would make it the 20 miles. They probably had a, a, a radius that they were looking in. I'm guessing. Yeah. I would um, It is. Oh, I was going to say it is hard to, once they get out there too, for the people in the trailer, it's very hard in like a leaderless situation like that to keep five people focused doing the same thing. So if one person had a good idea of staying there, if they had gotten the, the butane torches and everything lit and, and like, you know, started eating the food, eventually someone's going to be like, I'm going to go out for, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, you know, we, we got to get out of here. We got to go, get, you know. Not thinking yeah. that maybe staying there was the smartest thing to do. But if they never got the fire started, it's probably cold as fuck. Yeah. And eventually they just got the fuck out of there. Yeah. And so I've been, there's so much speculation here. It's just, you don't know what happened, why yeah. they were there, how they got the 20 miles to this place. It's like, you know, but we can kind of um, start into the theories here. Now we'll kind of focus on Gary first, Gary Mathis, right? Now, as mentioned, yeah. he had schizophrenia. Apparently, he was known to have, you know, had quite violent outbursts. I don't know if that yep. meant physical. He was just angry. Something there. Um, he apparently just couldn't control his emotions, I guess. Um, some sources said he was, you know, dabbling in quite illicit drugs for a while, yeah. which obviously if you have any mental illness like this, that's like, you know, <laughs> putting yeah. fuel in a fire. It's not good. Um, he, he though apparently was completely clean. They got him on proper medication for schizophrenia and all of that. Um, one article I read claims, I don't know who said this, but they think that Gary had told somebody he was going to quit taking his schizophrenia medications because they would really hinder him during the basketball game. So he wasn't going to take them so he could be at his prime during the tournament, yeah. which a lot of medications back then basically turned you into a zombie, especially for oh. this. So you could kind of see that. Yeah. Just watch any documentary about the, uh, you know, the mental health facilities that they had back then and look at how some of those people are just kind of, sitting down in a chair, drooling, watching cartoons or, you know, doing whatever it's the medications basically just completely pacify people. Yeah. So even if, I mean, at those hospitals, they're giving them like the maximum dose, but even a little bit might, you know, kind of nullify his game. So well, like lithium was really big during this time. And yeah. that basically, you know, completely pacifies you. Yeah. Um, Jesus. There's also, I mean, I don't know. I don't know a ton about it. Um, but I've, from what I've heard, a lot of people who like take medication for mental health, like long-term, like severe mental health, they'll kind of come up with any excuse to like stop taking it. Cause eventually the medication makes them feel better. Once you get the correct dosage down, once you get it kind of in your system to where you're, you're on a good regimen, you start feeling better, you start feeling normal, and it kind of, you kind of feel like you don't need it anymore. Like, oh, I'm fixed now. So they kind of come up with excuses like, oh, I don't want to take it because of this or that, you know, trying to like wean themselves off of it. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Uh, but I'm not speaking for anyone, you know, in particular, 
but from what I've heard, I've also heard that some people like the swings, so they get off of it because they miss the ups and downs or whatnot. I have no idea about that, but I've heard both things kind of. Wow. Okay. Well, I most of the people said Gary was, you know, might have had trouble in the past, but now he was very adamant about keeping on his meds. He took them very religiously. He was very good about it. So that whole thing about him not taking it before the game could be bullshit. I don't know. Um, Now, kind of, it's the it's the Venn diagram thing. You just gotta take all the little reports. Right, absolutely. Goulash them together. <laughs> so there's another interesting thing, and I saw this. It was like a quote, or is a quote, I think, from one of the parents of the other guys was, they didn't understand why Gary was on this, you know, Special Olympics basketball team because all the other boys did suffer from some sort of either physical or mental impairment. But Gary has schizophrenia i don't know they're like why was he allowed on there i guess he i i don't know if that's just kind of they let you know people who have like schizophrenia and stuff uh be included in that i don't really know they brought that up as kind of a weird point but also i don't want to you know obviously gary's probably a victim here too i don't want to you know blame him yeah he most likely also passed away though his body maybe was never found yeah. you know like we mentioned like the guy who they just um, found his the spine basically just part of his spine and feet were found um the animals take care of nature takes care of you pretty quickly yeah out there oh so. yeah i'm sure there's uh all sorts of birds you know i sure there's mountain lions stuff like that maybe bears they'll gladly oh. eat you if you're dead out there yeah coyotes yeah coyotes and vultures and bugs bugs will take you down pretty quick too very true very true well one of the kind of first theories with gary is if we believe he quit taking his medication for the basketball game it could be plausible that he became paranoid and kind of persuaded maruda to hide by driving up in the mountains and claiming that they're being chased by some entity you know um, people with schizophrenia can get very paranoid like this. So yeah, it's a possibility. I don't think it's a very good one, but it's a possibility. Ooh. Um, yeah, that would kind of explain why they were so far off course. Um, I wonder that situation. I'm still thinking they weren't planning on going here cause they needed them. You need a map, you know, unless they had been here a bunch of times before they needed a map. So the map was still folded up neatly and they really didn't seem like they were. So the thing is too, is the parents of all these guys um, were very adamant that their, their kids stuck with, they were very routine based. They stayed yeah. on a routine. They did not like to break that routine. You know, obviously with someone with relatives who suffer from, mental uh, disabilities. It's very true. They like to, you know, stay in a very regimented plan. They don't like to defer from that. So I do think that's believable. Which yeah. Would... Oh, definitely. With them um, wanting to come back home. Yeah. And just like you were saying, basically the next morning, the parents were like, we got to find them because yeah. there's no way that they, they, they're not out on a bender at a, you know, banging chicks. They, they want, they would have <laughs> wanted to come home. They had yeah. shit to do the next day. They had a basketball game. Yeah, so. absolutely. That's why 
that's one of the biggest things. Like they're all the way out here. Like this is very out of character for all of them. Very out of character. So, um, one other thing here that I thought was interesting about Gary, um, is if he was stuck with him, he had no nefarious things at all. Um, apparently he was quite good at survival things. Uh, Mm -hmm. allegedly this stuff happened. He had moved to Portland, Oregon, I think to live with a relative and, somehow he just up and vanished, right? And he had walked, walked from Portland to Marysville, uh, California, which is over 500 miles. He told him he would survive by stealing milk from people or stores, and he was eating dog food to survive. Um, So it kind of makes you wonder if he's pretty good at survival, could, you know... Could he have made it out safe safely? Yeah, I don't know. Um, ooh, walked five hundred miles. Yeah, that is a fucking trek. Um, eating dog food probably slightly less appetizing than Taco Bell, maybe. Yeah, but yeah. or maybe actually Taco Bell was good back. Um, <laughs> it might have been real meat. Yeah, probably real but meat. Probably real meat back then. But uh, yeah, goddamn, five hundred miles. That is, that's a fucking jaunt. Um, yeah, I wonder the validity of that story. It might be not a tall tale, but like exaggerated a little Could bit. Maybe he hitched 500 miles. Now there's an, now this one, I actually do believe because this story was one of the ones that was like on almost all of the sources. Okay. So gotcha. I don't know if, you know, obviously walking the whole way. I don't know if that's true, but, uh, there is another one they said about him where he was in a mental institution and he escaped by going through like a um, drainage pipe and then oh. <laughs> he broke out, went through the drainage pipe and then he hitchhiked back home. So <laughs> he uh, green mild that shit. Yeah. So <laughs> he's nice. he knows how to survive. I mean, he has military training and everything. Um, so I don't know. But also. I don't care how tough you are or whatever, how much you know. If it's cold as shit, it's hard to, you know, it's going to get you. Well, okay, so we did, there is the belief that all five of them made it back to this trailer. Yeah. Which means that that snowstorm, by the time he would have left, would have cleared up. It still would have been cold outside. Uh, Maybe they thought, figured that they would have found a car or something like that. Um, it doesn't sound like they only stayed for a couple of, you know, um, God, it's, it's so funny because in my head, I keep thinking like, is he, did he, did he survive this? Did he, you know, did he survive it? But he would have popped up, but also it was so easy to get lost in seven. Yeah. All you have to do is go to a new town and say, my name is so-and-so and that's your name now. You know, you get a job at the local fucking grocery store. My name is so-and-so. All of a sudden, you meet a girl. You fucking, you know, lay down some roots. And that's who you are now back then. There was no fucking, you know, barely any national registry. You know, people took you at your word. Hitchhiking was huge back then. He could be fucking anywhere. Now, let me tell you this next part. Now, this will kind of maybe make you wonder about what you're talking about here. Um now, again, single source that said this. I even tried to find this on other sources. I couldn't. But apparently, 
unsolved mysteries, you know, the beloved show, very popular in the 80s, yes. um, tried to cover this case. Obviously, it'd be prime for them. This is right up their alley. Uh, they talked to all the parents of the dead dead men here. They all agreed to do it, share their stories, all that, except for Gary Mathis's family, which, if this is true, some people think they're trying to hide him, but also, I, that seems a little far-fetched. Yeah, it doesn't... If he, like, if he made it to a relative's house or was able to contact them, um, it's not a situation where he's at... I mean, unless unless he made contact with the outside world and didn't tell them that his friend was suffering in a trailer, you know, like his feet were rotting off. Because um, you said that the big dude might have um, lost 100 to 200 pounds. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure if anyone found him, it would have became, you know, they would have they would have figured it out. Um, maybe they believe they're. The police didn't find any kind of like they they believe that all of them either died of starvation or hypothermia, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, so it's not like they believed that he maybe maybe there was kind of like some gossip around town that people thought that Gary might have done something, or because he had schizophrenia, he might have, you know, gotten paranoid and cracked. Maybe that was maybe the situation. If, I'm speculating pretty hard right now, <laughs> but I'm just trying to think like what might I imagine in a small town like that. This is probably all that anyone was talking about for fucking just like with Jody, who's in truth. This is all anyone was talking about for months. There was theories that were popping up and I'm guessing people were thinking it's Gary who might have done something to those poor boys. Now that situation. Here's the thing. Um, I do think it's weird unsolved mysteries wouldn't cover this because as far as I could tell looking through YouTube and everything where unsolved mysteries is free. Um, yeah. This story is not on there. Yeah. With the exception of possible paranormal, this has all of the key points that they want. Yeah. This it. Yeah. This is everything. This is, this is just like you said, it's basically just like, you know, what is it out in Russia? You know, those, campers who died out there yeah this is like just the same kind of story this is perfect for them so you could even strew fucking like put aliens into this if you wanted to basically <laughs> right. like if you if you really wanted to you squeeze aliens into this baby you could squeeze sasquatch into this yeah honestly you, could. you know what i mean like it's it's perfect so yeah it's crazy they might not have gotten so you need basically you need uh, like written consent kind of deal to um, talk about people though. I think. Yeah. So maybe if they didn't get the right written consent, um, maybe, maybe it's one of those situations where, well, if we can't talk to Gary, then there's no real story here. Yeah. It's not enough meat left on the bones. Yeah. So, cause it they would have had to call him like a friend or uh, someone also there you know, and then if they say so, if they speculate anything on Gary and like his maybe how it was his fault or his doing, they could get sued. So yeah. maybe they just figured, ah, we have other fucking stories. There's plenty. It's the 70s. There's plenty of missing people. Yeah. 
Exactly. Definitely. Especially in this area. Oh, this yeah. was fucking, oh God, this was serial killer alley yeah. in this fucking corridor here. So absolutely. Um, yeah. North of fucking San Francisco, <laughs> South Portland. It's right there. It's you're in the baby. You're in the fucking the crib right there of everything going on serial killer wise. What if they would have came upon like a weed farmer? But I guess that wouldn't really make sense. They probably not far enough north for that. Um, but I don't know. We'll get, we'll continue on here. We have, um, yeah. kind of another possible witness who came forward, okay. kind of like John. Um, now this woman, she worked at a convenience store in the city of Brownsville, which is close to where the, they went missing. Now she claims that the following day after they had went missing from the 24th at 2 PM on February 25th. Fifth, two of the missing men, you were still missing at the time, had actually okay. came into her store, made a phone call, and the three others sat in a red pickup truck outside of the store. She claims one of the men was Jack, who is making the phone call inside, but this doesn't make sense because Jack's parents came forward and said, due to his mental disabilities, he actually was not comfortable at all at talking on the phone. Apparently, even at his own house, Jack's brother actually took all his phone calls for him because he did not feel comfortable taking phone calls. So this doesn't really line up. And some sources said they think she's just making shit up to try to collect the reward money. So yeah, it's or or mistook five bumpkins in a truck. For these guys, got a she maybe got a half side eye look at them, and then later on was like, "Oh, that's them. Those five dudes were the five dudes who are missing." So yeah, I don't, I don't really take her too serious, honestly. It does kind of combo up with the the guy who had the heart attack in the car, and there was five dudes and a woman with a baby who kind of like stopped behind him and then like keep going. So. A little bit, it kind of like meshes with that story, but yeah, I don't see all of them just like, you know, escaping their life like this or, you know, she, and also no one, their families didn't claim to get a phone and she claims that he was trying to call or he had successfully called. Well, here's the thing. Let's say she's telling the truth, right? Why would they possibly get stuck, get picked up by this mysterious woman with a baby leave the mountain make a phone call then go back and starve to death or die of hypothermia in the trailer yeah what well, it makes no sense yeah that that's also a big thing too um <laughs> i didn't even think about that yeah it's yeah it, it uh i'm just kind of you know mashing these stories up but it's yeah, I, I I really don't believe her. It they I should mention too. They got a lot of phony leads. Yeah. Also, that guy who if he's if he's up and about in a pickup truck, how did he later on die of you know starvation? He his foot, feet were all gangrenous. You know that situation. Um, unless they you know. No, there's no real way. This is, no, yeah, it's kind of, no. it's just, it's not coming together in my head. No, I, I, 
I think she's just kind of making up shit. Um, we'll kind of keep going here. Now, this one, while unsubstanti- unsubstantiated, I do think this one is a very good one. Um, some people theorize that maybe it was some local, you know, let's just call them rednecks or a group of people. Um, yep. They actually, you know, saw these men who were suffering from different uh, mental disabilities and they actually chased after them. Maybe they saw them in Chico. Uh, violence towards people with mental disabilities in the 70s was significantly higher than it is now. Um, some, yeah. You know, if it's a hillbilly of some kind, you know, I wouldn't put it past them. You know, some people think maybe it was an angry fan because they were cheering for the opposite team chased them um, down the highway and they kind of got lost. Something like that. I don't know. Um, how do you feel about this? I mean, if you maybe uh, somebody saw these five guys with mental disabilities at that gas station and it was one of those situations where, you know, fucking violence is their only fucking hobby out in the backwoods. You know, one of those situations. Yeah. The only thing to do on a fucking Tuesday night, basically, for them. So if they chased them to this mountain and the guys that would actually make sense if the guys went off the road a little bit or got caught up in a snowdrift. And instead of trying to instead of trying to, like, get their car out, they basically just ran out of the car and got the fuck, you know, ran out into the woods or whatever. That would make sense if they were trying to get away from some people. I kind of like that. You can you can postulate kind of on how that theory might come together. The other thing is one of the videos I was watching, apparently this guy had read the book about this whole case and the author of said book claims that remember they were at the convenience store. That's verified. They stopped for the snacks that there is actually a tussle outside and Gary being, you know, the more aggressive one kind of started a fight with these guys who were picking on him outside that gas station and believe they might have chased them. But again, there's zero police reports or anything about this fight out of the fight from that convenience store. The lady working there didn't mention that at all. I'm pretty sure you would have noticed that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Unless it was one of those backcountry fucking like they cover up for each other. But if it was that situation, she wouldn't have mentioned that she had seen any of them at all. So you want to know why she remembered them so visibly vividly coming to the gas station? Why is that? So apparently, and she was open with this, that she was very upset because it was close to closing time and she was mad. They came into the store. (laughs) They broke the cardinal rule. Yeah. (laughs) If you want spit in your fucking fast food, go there five minutes before they close down the fucking uh, drive up window. Guaranteed, you will find some extra fucking uh, fluids in your happy meal. Extra sauce. Extra sauce. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. (laughs) All right. Now I'm going to read this to you. This is straight up from uh, Reddit has a pretty big thread about this. I thought was kind of interesting. And it's messages from people who allegedly live around this area, so they kind of know what the highways and such are like. Now, they claim that the highway that they were on going from Yuba City to Chico is Highway 90, and they claim there's almost no lights on the road, so it can be easy to get lost, 
And if you, when I was looking at the Google Maps, basically, if you go to Yuba City to Chico, it's a straight shot north. Um, now, Highway 90 splits into Highway 149, which is, according to Google Maps, <laughs> the easiest route to get to the road where they were lost. So it is okay. possible, no lighting, they took the wrong turn and somehow got lost up up in the mountains here. But um, it's, it's I, I don't know. It, it The part that's hard about this is you can't tell if heart attack guy really saw them or not. You know what I mean? And some people yeah. say that if it was, you know, heart attack guy who saw them and he yelled at them, and they were already lost. Maybe they got scared and took off, but you know what I mean? I guess that's possible. Yeah. If you, if it was late at night, dark, and you just assume, Oh, it's just a straight shot back home. But all of a sudden you take like the wrong when it splits instead of going, instead of veering right, you veer left. Maybe it's that situation where you just assume, no, no, we're on the right path. You know, keep going, keep going, keep going. And then all of a sudden you're on the side of a mountain, got in a snow drift. And now you got to figure out like, oh, fuck, like, where, where are we? This isn't home. No, my pop, my pop tarts aren't here. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, I'm the thing that's weird is even though you can take the highway, you very clearly have to take a back road because it's all dirt leading into the mountain. So they would have had to have exited the highway and then go on to this road or multiple other roads. So yeah, that part of it's really weird. Yeah, just like Backwoods, Wisconsin. <laughs> Nothing but dirt and dirt roads. Just <laughs> Pretty much. And streets that are in highways that have letters on them instead of numbers, oh God. which is weird. French names, too. All French names. They're all Holy native. Shit. They're all native. Yeah. Um... But, uh, yeah, that's kind of that. I'm going to read you kind of the final part here. This is the theory I think that the cops kind of go with and what most people think is the most plausible thing that happened to them. Um, They think that Gary had convinced the other gentleman here after the game is over, instead of going home, he wanted them to go visit some of his friends in Forbes Town, which must have been nearby where this mountain is. Um, Somehow they got lost, ended up way in the mountain. The car got stuck in the snow. They decided they couldn't get out, so they were going to walk to find help. They either, the two guys died on the way to the trailer or they were all in the trailer and then they left one of the two. Um, And basically, two might have left passed away ted might have died the other two were still in the trailer didn't know what to do so they tried to go on their own they passed away wildlife came and ate them probably including gary um which is probably the most plausible but they didn't find him because there was so much snow once the snow melted then they found the bodies because there was no snow to cover them up that's kind of the most believed thing but even if that is the main story it's still Here's the one main thing is I still think, why were they up there and why wouldn't they walk back the way they came instead of going deeper into the road? Low visibility at night, not familiar with your surroundings. It's out there. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, so what what do you think happened? Do you think someone chased them up there? Do you think 
There's foul play somewhere along here. I believe in ooh, the most likely thing in my mind is just kind of like human fallacy to where like one mistake leads to another. Yeah. And all of a sudden you get more and more desperate and you take, you know, every little move is a giant risk when you're talking about like survival out there. There's this game I have called The Long Dark. Basically, like it's end of the world, everyone's dead, kind of this, you know, and you're out like in Alaska trying to survive. Every yeah. choice that you make, whether, you know, you stop and start a fire or you run and try to find more food means life or death. So this is the same kind of situation. So I do, I think they got law. I mean, you know, maybe Gary trying to convince the boys that they're going to go on a pussy run to Forbes town, <laughs> um, you know, with the promise of meeting some ladies and having some fun. Maybe he could have, you know, gotten them lost. And then from there they were lost. But I do believe that their split in the road would be the most likely reason why they were out this far out and then you know getting caught in the snow they go for help or they go for shelter or something like that um they wouldn't have probably thought to sit in the car and it depends on if you're a midwestern kid you know that if you get stuck out in the snow and you're out in the middle of nowhere if you have gas in the tank stay in the car you know yeah don't go out and try to fucking find help find a find something you might fucking break your ankle in a ditch and then you're going to be, you're there. That's where you're spending the night in that fucking ditch. So I would say probably they got lost. They, you know, shit got more and more desperate and they just made some mistakes and uh, didn't make it. The, uh, the parents too, this obviously isn't a, you know, a completely, factual thing but they think why they wouldn't have touched the food or the heat in the trailer is they might have felt like they were breaking into somebody's place and they didn't want to steal steal or anything like that entirely plausible um the thing about john with him being stuck in the car one of the parents were adamant that um if they heard someone scream for help, they would help them. They wouldn't run away. So I think, in my opinion, I think John, um, unfortunate circumstances for him, but I think maybe he's in so much pain and all that that maybe he thought he saw all that happening, but it probably wasn't there. Yeah, or it was aliens. Or um, it was aliens, if, yep. So if the 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 guy with the schizophrenia, the former military guy he spent what was it 500 miles and he was basically like acquiring milk and dog food and food and whatever he probably wouldn't they if his friends would have felt bad about like stealing he probably would have been made them feel a little better about it or like just open shit up and told them to eat it maybe so possibly they might the other ones might have felt bad about eating the food um Ooh, I don't know. It's it's strange because he's kind of the he's kind of like the wild card because every you're trying to think of these guys who, you know, they have very like a variety of like the, you know, different mental illnesses. You know, you're trying to think like, well, maybe 
they didn't think to try to turn on the heater or start a fire or eat the food. And then there's this guy who survival training from the military. He's got the can opener. He's got, you know, the instincts, everything. Um, he's kind of that wild card, you know, um, kind of like the person you think might take charge of this group, unless he's the reason why they're out there. Or maybe they were being, you know, run off by him. Who knows? You know, it's he's that wild card in the whole story. I think the um, the window being down in the car and being left down, I think they kind of make them wonder if somebody wasn't else wasn't there, like either talking to them or yelling at them or, you know, something. But also, if the car was stuck, you generally roll down the window and talk to whoever's trying to help you get out, too. You know what I mean? Oh, if there's <laughs> if there's one person in the driver's yeah people pushing yeah yeah there's one person behind you know there's four people yelling okay now you know yeah. hit, the <laughs> gas, it, hit the basically. gas hit the gas hit the gas hit the gas yeah yeah we've been yeah. there many a time oh definitely yeah you you get that down to a science i wonder if it snowed much in where these where these boys were like living um maybe you said only one of them had a license yep just so... just jack maruda that's why he still had the keys in his pocket mm. So that would probably tell me that he wasn't going to let anybody but a, besides himself drive the car. Yeah, he, even if it was a pushing them out of the snow situation. Um, yeah, it's amazing with four people, they couldn't get out, but maybe they didn't realize you have to dig yourself to a little bit. Well, if they're not, or, if they're not used to the snow, entirely plausible. Oh yeah, God, even, even people who fucking like, you like so we hear a lot about um growing up up north during the winter they would always have on the news pictures of like texans when it when it snows or <laughs> gets icy there texans basically spinning out on the highway and it's kind of a funny thing midwesterners yeah. to see <laughs> texans trying to drive on ice it's kind of funny <laughs> so i wonder if it's a situation like that where they had never dealt with snow and ice and cold that situation there there was one I totally forgot. There's one kind of theory too that if they got lost on this road and maybe they just continue to go thinking there'd be somewhere to turn around, but there just wasn't, you know what I mean? That idea that eventually there will be a town or like somewhere you could turn thing. around, like a driveway you could pull in back out of, or another road you can turn on or something like that. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. That's possible too. So I, in my mind, that's when I when I kind of get lost. Like, like there was one time I was in Decor and trying to find my way. I had gotten turned out kind of in the bluffs of like Decora, and I kept thinking like eventually I'll hit Decora because I thought I was going that way. Turns out I was going south rather <laughs> than east, and I figured I'll eventually I'll hit a town. And then it turns out just forty miles from where I live, it's so much different, it's so backwoodsy. So because it's so close to the river. Yeah, that, you know, eventually I did find a town, luckily before I ran out of gas. But Jesus fucking Christ, I passed through some weird fucking country that day. Well, we've been going for a while here, Phil. I'm going to say I think I'm along with you. Probably just got lost. Maybe they maybe they were trying to see Gary's friends got lost. Um, it's either that or I I can definitely see somebody harassing him. You know what I mean? Like 
harassing him. They try to take off to get away from him, end up lost. I can I can yeah. see that too. Not saying that's what happened, but that I think those are probably to me the most the two likely most scenarios. Couple of good old boy white trash boomers back in fucking uh small town California harassing him. Definitely. Yeah, without a doubt. The old uh you ain't from around here, are you boy, type of thing. Oh yeah, shotguns in the back of their pickup trucks. Yeah, yep. that shit. Yep, exactly. <laughs> well, Phil, this is a perfect episode for any of our listeners to give us what they think happened, whether it be through email or Instagram, work how can they get a hold of us? Oh yeah, we would love to hear your theories on this one. A uh, crazy story. Loved it, Cody. So our email is subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. Get a hold of us for anything. Uh, if you want to, you know, just like our friend here who gave us the idea for this episode, go ahead. If you got an idea, you know, let us have it. We might make something out of it. We might, you know, like pass on it or combo it with another episode. Who knows? We've done that plenty of times. Probably an even easier way to get a hold of us is from our Instagram account, subliminal subliminal deception podcast on ig uh go ahead same thing give us your theories give us your ideas the love the hate we'll take it all it's all good we both actually have instagram accounts if you want to get a hold of us in minus sd pod phil cody you have one yeah you can follow me at cody's above uh like you said send me recommendations like uh james did here brilliant episode so the last thing we ask you guys to do is to log on to itunes leave a show five star review doesn't particularly matter what you say just type something hit submit preferably five stars thank you to everybody who's taking time to do that for us if you're a spotify listener it's even easier hit five stars hit submit that's all you got to do thank you to everybody who's taking the time to do that for us as well well i hope you guys enjoyed this little mystery everyone likes the little semi-cold case um and thanks again james for the recommendation we'll see you guys next week thanks james <laughs>